Hey, you are tuned into the Bold Church podcast. My name is Yasmin Ruhi. I am one of the lead pastors here. We're so excited that you can join us for today's talk. We hope it blesses you. We hope it encourages you. And if you find it useful, go ahead and send it to someone else whose day you can bless. If you want to join us, we meet live every Sunday morning. If you want to find out our times or where we're meeting, head to our website at bold.church or head to our Instagram at boldchurch. SV. Thank you so much and enjoy today's talk. Uh, can we just give it up for God real quick? Come on. <clears throat> Before we begin, I just want to do a quick exercise. I want you to look to your left and to your right. I just want you to observe the people in the room. And I want you to think about if you are the only one this church, the only person this church reach, if you're the only person this church ever baptized, you would be worth it. Every prayer, every dollar given, every three hours set up and tear down, every one of our 11 locations that we were at for the last six years, every sacrifice, every day we fasted and prayed, it would all be worth it if it was just for you. Because you matter to God. And you matter to this church, you matter to my wife and I, you matter to this team. You matter. And if you were the only one that Jesus died for, he would still suffer all of that for you. And uh, which is why the title of my message is so important. Because if you believe that, this is what we should be about. Someone say, build this house. house. I'm going to preach a message that I pray will be a prophetic declaration for the next year of our church. Let me pray real quick. God, thank you so much, Lord, that you are still in the business of saving people. God, everyone in this room who calls on your name, remembers the stories of Kimberly and Gabby and John and Israel, Lord. We were the one at one point. You came after us. God, where would we be if you didn't love us with an everlasting love? God, we we don't just come to church for us, God. We come because we want to build a place where we can help rescue your lost kids. Um, God, we want to walk in one way and walk out the other. If you believe that, everybody said? Come on, a little bit louder. Everybody said? Can we give up for Jesus? Come on. If you're new to church, our tribe, which means we are a loud church. And if you hear something good, someone shout amen. And I want to begin with a simple statement. It may be profound for many of you. It may be redundant for many of you. It's simply this. God has a plan and purpose for your life. And many of you in this room who are new to Christianity, you're like, there's no way. What does that even mean? You don't even know me, Pastor Ali. Yes, I don't know you, but God does. And it doesn't matter what you think about you, it matters what God thinks about you. And it gets even better than that. It's not only God has a plan and purpose for you. Listen, he has a plan and purpose for us. Someone say us. It's not just individual, it's corporate. And build this house is what we are called to do. But before I tell you the what, I got to first convince you of the who. Someone say who. Because when you understand your identity, your activity naturally flows out. Who are you? It's on the screen. We are the church. We are the church. And 2,000 years ago, a Jewish carpenter who never went to school, never wrote a book, never declared war on anyone, never ran for political office, never bought a house, changed the world. You can't even tell. If you're an atheist today, you can't even tell time without Jesus. It's before Jesus and after Jesus. He changed history. This Jewish carpenter with no college degree, he built chairs. Yet he changed the world with a religious system that transformed the world skeptics and doubters and the hate even laker fans came out to see him 
Everyone was fascinated by this guy. People would travel miles just to hear this man teach. He healed the sick. He healed the lame. The blind saw. People would travel days just to see this Jewish man in the desert speak as if he knew God. And he preached this simple message. He, he preached good news for the poor, freedom for the enslaved, and he gave sight to the blind, and he set the oppressed free. This Jesus this Jesus that attracted skeptics, he attracted the doubters, not just the religious people, even the sinners. He had power over light, power over darkness, power over sickness, and even power over death. And for three years, his posse, his entourage kept growing. And by year three, when he entered Jerusalem on the last week of his life, the whole city was in uproar, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, saying, this man's God. And they, the whole... All of his crew thought he was going to become the king of Israel. And they did something shocking. He allowed himself to be crucified. A sinner's death, even though he committed no sin. It was so shocking that even his followers, all of them, scattered. Because the haters who killed him thought, if we can kill Jesus, we can kill this movement. But death couldn't keep Jesus down. If you ever want to know why Jesus didn't buy a tomb, he Airbnb'd it because he was going to resurrect in three days. <laughs> Try to get that discount on the weekend. And death couldn't hold him. And women came to the tomb. They realized the stone had been rolled away. And the tomb is empty. Now there's news to tell. Amen? Anybody thankful for Jesus this morning? But it wasn't this, just that Jesus resurrected. The hope of the non-believers the movement died and it gave birth. And when you read the scriptures and you realize, you think that Jesus, his final act, his crescendo was the cross. It wasn't. If I can explain the gospel as if it was a movie. Let's say a football, the Niners are playing the Raiders, right? The Raiders are up by three points. The Niners are on the one-yard line and they got to go 99 yards. And they score a, a field goal to tie the game. You think the cross is the end. It's the crescendo. It's not. It, all it does is send the game into overtime. Now our star player is coming out, and he wants to send us in. Watch what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you, someone say you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the If I can modernize this, San Jose, the peninsula, and the whole yay area. That's what he's talking about. Everyone needs Jesus. And then John 16, verse 7 says, It is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus gave birth to salvation. And the Holy Spirit, in a moment, you're going to see him give birth to the church. Watch what it says in this next verse. When the day of Pentecost came, some of you are, are afraid of Pentecostals. We love you here. <laughs> Let me tell you what Pentecost means. Pentecost means 50. And because we love you so much, we're going to pass the offering bucket. You put your 50s in the bucket. We don't want you to be afraid. 50, you're afraid of 50. God bless you. When the day of 50 came, Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus resurrected and 10 days after he left, they were together in one place. Suddenly a sound. It was not the wind. It was the sound of wind. How annoying is that? That's what Jesus did in this room. The, the sound of a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Again, I don't understand what's going on. God can do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to show up like this, let him. Don't put God in a box. 
and this tongues of fire separated and came to rest on them. Some of you think Christians are high. Ain't no high like the most high. Let me just say that. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, amazed and perplexed. Someone say amazed and perplexed. Here's an honest question. When is the last time any non-believers in Silicon Valley were amazed at the church of Jesus? Do you know who you are? I wrote it like this. We are the church promised by the Father, led by Jesus, and empowered by his Holy Spirit. Which is why Jesus in John chapter, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says, and I will build my church. Someone shout church. church. It's the word ecclesia. Has nothing to do with buildings. It's not a 501c3 charity. It's not an organization. It's called out people. You are the church. And you will never do what you're called to do until you know who you are. And what are we called to do? The church is the people of God, called by God, sent by God for the glory of God, to take the good news to everybody everywhere. And the message is simply this, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Anybody thankful that Jesus loves all of us? Even Laker fans. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And you need to understand what was so compelling about the early church, this church that Jesus started, this, this message where thousands would come to the desert, to the wilderness, just to follow this man. They would go hours, days without food just to hear this man talk. What was so compelling? Let me tell you, the church is the only place where the sick are set free and addictions are broken. The church is the only place where marriages are built and strengthened. There is no other place where destinies are dispensed, and purpose is given. There is no place like the house of God. Amen? Amen? And yet, at the same time, we have to be honest. We have royally screwed up the church of Jesus. There is probably nothing messier in human history than the church. We've abused. We've lied. Some of you who are non-believers are like, yeah, that's right. We have a black eye. And yet, in spite of all of our imperfections, the church still moves. You name countries and civilizations, they come and go. Trust me, Amazon won't be here in 50 years. U.S. Steel was the largest corporation in America 100 years ago. It's gone. Nations will rise and fall. The church of Jesus Christ never will. And that should give some of you in this room who are skeptical. If the church, with all of its jacked up messiness, still hasn't died, it must mean Jesus is still in it. And Jesus ain't going to let some ugly Christians, some jacked up pastors mess up his thing. Amen? Amen. He ain't going to do it. And then John, in Acts chapter 3, the early church, listen, they were compelling. This was the most persecuted church in human history, and yet they thrived. They grew. And if we're going to be like them, we have to go back to our roots. It's not going to be with LED screens and I love that John said he found this church with Instagram. I love that. The other church didn't even have Instagram. I've been to churches in this valley where they don't even preach God's word anymore. The name of Jesus isn't even mentioned. And if we want to go back, we have to do what they did. John, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, look what it says with me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, someone say everyone was filled with awe at the many 
wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, that's crazy to me. I, I, I can't even get this church to believe that Taco Bell is a godly Mexican food. There is nothing more Mexican than Mexican pizza. And, and some of you are angry that I'm saying that. I can't even get our team to be united. How we have all the Christians to be united? You know what they had in common? Persecution. You know what they had in common? Hatred. They were equally hated, equally persecuted. They were, they were pulled out of the streets. Families, mom, dad, and children were brought into the streets and killed. There was a guy named Nero 30 years after Jesus resurrected, he, he would have these parties in the courtyard, and this is long before electricity. You know what he'd do? He'd take living, breathing Christians, impale them, so they would bleed out slowly. Then he'd line up his courtyard and set them on fire. And yet that church grew like nothing else. One third of the world in 300 years became Christian. One man did that. One God man. Watch what it says next. They sold, this is the early church. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. And on this Vision Sunday, if you want to understand what it means to build this house, we have to be devoted to three things. Take a note. You want to write this down? If you're new to church and didn't know this, you're more likely to go to heaven if you take notes at church. It's like 95% like more likely. Number one, write this down. They, are, they were devoted to Jesus. They loved him. They worshiped him. They prayed to him. And they were, weren't just devoted in this building. They were devoted outside this building. They weren't just devoted to his, his teachings that they loved, the ones about love. They were devoted to his teaching about marriage. They weren't just devoted to the ones like, oh my gosh, I love your spouses. Christ loved the church. Even the ones that says, love your enemies. And they didn't water down the message when their friends and their coworkers and, their, and the people in Rome persecuted them. They did not try to make it more inclusive. The gospel is already inclusive. God so loved the world. You don't need to make it more inclusive. It already includes everyone. And the reason why everyone needs Jesus is this, Romans 3.23, for all. Someone say all. I, did a, I have a, a Bible software tool called Logos. It's the most powerful Bible software in the world. It will tell you any English word, the original Greek. Would you believe that this English word all is the word all in Greek? <laughs> all. Everyone falls short of the standard, the perfection of God. And here's why that's important. Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is death. It's Sin is just dis being disconnected from God. If you and I are like a toaster oven, we're physically alive, but we are spiritually dead. And nothing you do, no matter how many homeless people you feed, no matter how many orphans and widows you help, will ever bridge that gap back to God, who is the life source. But the gift of God is eternal life. God knew we could never get to him, so he came to us. And that's what they were devoted to. Not good morality, not good teaching. Jesus was more than just a good teacher. He came to die on a cross for us. And this early church, when they realized that they were being persecuted, they didn't stop declaring. And that, that, when I compare the early church with the church in Silicon Valley, no one ever told this to me in, in Bible college, but there are seven or eight Sundays during the year that are the lowest attended Sundays of the year. Throughout the summer months, not the holidays. You know what Sundays they are? The seven Sundays the Niners play home games. 
What about the Raider fans, Pastor Ali? They're all in prison. No one watches those games. Shots fired. It's true. Every pastor I speak to in this valley, when the Niners have a home game on Sunday morning, church attendance dips. And I compare that, our church of Silicon Valley to the early church, they were being used as lampposts, being set on fire. No Roman emperor, no angry mob, no persecution would stop them. Even if it rained, oh, I can't come to church, I don't get my J's wet. And I compare the two churches and we look nothing alike. How are we going to survive the persecution that's going to come? Think we're going to attract crowds with Instagram and LED walls? If you want to build this house, you got, before you know what to do, you got to know who you are. And that was Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and Jane, John, they go to church, and there's this lame man who's been lame his entire life, and he's begging for money. And Peter looks at him and says, I can't give you money in gold or crypto or NTFs. Those are worthless now. <laughs> but I can give you Jesus. And this man who's been lame his entire life gets healed. And the guys that killed Jesus get angry. And they thought when they had killed Jesus, they had killed the movement. And watch what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priest and the captain of the guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. This is during church. Imagine for a moment, in a couple years, someone's going to kick that door down. Tell someone to turn off the mic. They're going to arrest me. They're going to take everyone's Bible. They're going to kick everyone out, and they're going to tear this building down. It's coming. It's already happening in China. It's already happening in the Middle East. Are you ready for that? And there's this, this unction, this devotion. Maybe we should tone down the message. That's not what the early church did. Watch what happens next. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Next verse. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? These are the same guys that killed Jesus. So you know what's coming. It's like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, go home and kiss my wife and have spend time with my kids. And watch what they do instead. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Someone say filled. filled. He wants to fill you too. When it gets uncomfortable at work, when it gets uncomfortable around your family and friends, he wants to fill you with power because you and I are more likely to be afraid. 98% of Christians never share their faith. I want to flip that at bold, where 2% don't. Then Peter, filled with the Spirit, said, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. He's coming after them. But whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you. At this point, you think, I've done my job. I've preached. Let me go home. Peter doubles down. and Watch what he says. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, which, which we must be saved. Do you know that Jesus did things that no one else ever did? He made claims no one else ever did. I came out of Islam. Muhammad in the Quran claimed three times he went to heaven. I have a question for you. Who is greater, the one who visits the penthouse suite or the one who lives in the penthouse suite and comes down? Jesus made claims. No one claimed ever in human history that they were sinless. Jesus, like Babe Ruth, stood at home plate and called a shot. I'm going to die and resurrect. We don't follow Jesus because he's a good teacher. There's a lot of good teachers on YouTube. We follow Jesus because he resurrected. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized 
that they were unschooled, ordinary men. The Greek is idiots, actually. They were astonished because they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I have a question for you. When's the last time you were hanging out with friends and coworkers and like, man, there's something different about you. Did you shave your mustache? Did you glue on your eyelashes? You look different. Or do they say, you, have you been to church? There's like a, a piece over you that doesn't make sense. And it's crazy to me that you can come to this building every Sunday for two, three years in a row, and none of your coworkers know you're a Christian. And yet the early church, everyone knew they had been with Jesus. Everyone knew. Acts 4, verse 19, they commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of, at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They cannot decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. No threat, no Instagram mob, no cancel culture was going to stop these Christians talking about Jesus. Amen? And Peter and John were like, I'm going to give my life for the one that gave it to me. The early church, listen, was devoted to Jesus. Not denominations, not buildings, Jesus. Number two, they were devoted to one another. Someone say one another. another. Acts 2 verse 45, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Someone say church. They broke bed in their homes. Someone say groups. Now you know where we get those things from. We just make up a strategy. It came out of the scriptures. They ate together. Someone say together. Together. With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. When you read the early history books about the early church, it was the most countercultural community ever. Why? Because in that culture, rich people hung out with rich people. Poor people hung out with poor people. Laker fans stayed in their corner, warriors in their corner, and no one hung out with the Raider fans. Come on. The Christian community was the only community Jews and Gentiles were together. The slave and the free. One of my favorite stories in the scriptures is when Mary, this 14-year-old girl with braces, gets pregnant. You know who her best friend is for the next six months? Her aunt, Elizabeth, 65-year-old, listen to Kenny Rogers. One listens to Justin Bieber. One listens to Kenny... They have nothing in common, and yet they have everything in common. The most important thing, Christ in them. Amen? That's what Christian community looks like. doesn't mean we dress the same. doesn't mean we like the same sports teams. We don't have to be politically the same. We have something greater than nationality and gender and race. Jesus. Jesus. They were devoted to one another, which means you got to take your Republican hat off, your Democrat hat off, your, all your sport, all of your things. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus before any of those other things. The early church, listen, they were devoted to Jesus and one another. At the beginning of this sermon, I asked you to look around. I hope and pray your best friends are in the room because that's what the early church had. Because when they were persecuted, listen, Christianity is not CrossFit. It's more like Tough Mudder. You need a team (laughs) to finish this thing. And number three, they were devoted to the mission. Someone say the mission. They had one mission, one cause, one thing to tell everyone about Jesus. They weren't about Ted Lasso, Yellowstone, their famous football team. They were about one thing, Jesus. And you need to write this down. Jesus never commanded the, the, the church, the world, to go to church. It's the opposite. 
He commanded us to go to the world. You know how I know this? Jesus told one story three different ways in Luke chapter 15. Story of a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. With the lost sheep, there was a shepherd who had 100 sheep. And everyone in that agrarian culture knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. He says, one of these sheep left. And the shepherd, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. Only in the kingdom, I wrote like this, is one greater than 99. Not in math class, in the kingdom. Which means God cares. He cares about everyone in this room. But his focus is on everyone outside this room. The one. Who's your one? That person that God placed in your life. That they will never hear about Jesus unless you share it with them. And there's a story of a lost coin. So one has 10 coins, she loses one, flips her house upside down. Then when she finds it, you know what she does? She throws a party. And many commentators say this woman is like losing $1,000 and then throwing a party for $5,000. The math doesn't make sense. Because in the kingdom, it doesn't make sense that God would send his son to die for us. That God will spend anything to to reach you. Because you're more valuable than money. When we read that story, we're like, oh, what a waste of money to the kingdom. It's, you're priceless. And then there's a story of a dad who's got two kids. And if a dad had two daughters, this story hits home different now. And one of them leaves. The Bible says that the father looked every day at the gate, waiting for his son to come home. Imagine I came home one day. My wife goes, one of our kids is gone. I would drop everything to go after my lost kid. I would sell my house. I would give up everything to go after that, my lost kid. Then imagine a week or two later, one of you calls me and says, Hey, Pastor Allie, we got tickets to the Niners. Let's go take shots for Brock Purdy. Come on. <laughs> it's not that the game's not important. I got something more pressing, though. And that's what Jesus wants to put in your heart. Do you love? Do you value? Do you care about the things he cares about? Not that sports aren't important, but lost people are more important. What's wild is that many of you in this room, you have friends and family who are going to pass away and they're going to stand before God and they will only see the, the gates of heaven and they'll never get in because you never shared Christ with them. Because you are more interested in you being liked than you telling them. And the early church didn't care what happened to them. They told everyone, even to their own detriment, everyone they could about Jesus. And in the video, let me just correct some of you. said, oh my gosh, this church changed my life. We didn't do nothing. Jesus changed you. He's the one that set you free. I wrote like this, we don't have a great church. We serve a great God. We serve a great God. All of that, by the way, was my introduction. We're going to be here for another hour. Don't worry. But I want to show you a, an image that changed my life. Because when I saw this image, we're going to walk through this. If you take human history, it is divided before and after Jesus. Jesus birthed salvation. And right after Jesus died and resurrected, he gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the first 
300 years of the church, we didn't have a 501c3, we didn't have buildings, we didn't have Bible colleges, and yet one-third of the world became Christian. How? They were spirit-filled and spirit-led. You have to understand the context. It wasn't, it was like free like it was in America. We were under this dude. Rome. No, no, no. Before this one, sorry. Go back one more. Right there. First 300 years of Christianity was under Rome. You know, in the first 300 years, they didn't even have a New Testament Bible. Think how painful life would have been. If you asked anyone where Taco Bell was, they didn't know what you are talking about. If you went to a bookstore and said, hey, can I buy a New Testament? The Bible had not even been compiled. The letters had been written, but no one put them together. And yet, many of the people that were coming to faith weren't even Jewish, so they couldn't even read the Old Testament. Imagine not having a Bible and becoming a Christian. And the church thrived, and it grew. I said this before, one-third of the world became Christian in the most persecuted time in human history. Historians say you were more likely to die as a martyr in the first 300 years than die of natural death. And then at year 300, a dude named Constantine legalized Christianity. Two years later, 315, he made it the law of the land. He made Christianity the sole religion of Rome. And then what happened next is what's called the Constantine Parentheses. It began this 1,700 year of influence where Christianity influenced Western world in the way we value things, the way we love things, the way our school system, our education system, our government, everything for the next 1,700 years was influenced by Christianity. The first 121 of the first 124 universities in America, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, they were all Christian. They were actually free in the beginning. They were designed to help teach people to read the Bible so they'd become middle-class citizens. He said, amen, amen. Amen. And now, that influence is gone. For the next 1,700 years, in the 20th century, sometime, no one knows when, that influence was lost. And in 2026, this next slide, Barack Obama said this. We once were and are no longer a Christian nation. He didn't say that because that was, he was trying to usher in. He said that because that's what was happening. It was facts. Christianity had lost its dominance. We were no longer a Christian nation. And everything within those parentheses was the favor of God, the blessing of God, the influence of Christianity, and I'm here to tell you it's gone. And it ain't coming back. And now it feels like we're Niner fans at a Raider game. The refs are against us. The fans are against us. We're outnumbered. Everyone's cussing at us. It's like, what is going on? We're scratching our heads going, what is going on? That's what it feels like. We are living outside the parentheses. Are you ready for that, though? Or are you going to talk about the good old days where every candidate was a Christian and every candidate believed what you believed? Those days are gone. And if we're going to survive and thrive in this culture, this last slide is where I'm hoping it speaks to you. We have to go back. If I can quote the great theologian Biggie Smalls, we got to going, going, back, back to the first century, first century. If we're going to survive, we have to go back to the early church. They didn't need a building. They didn't need a 501c3. They didn't need LED walls. They didn't need Instagram. They didn't even need the support and, and protection of the government. All they needed was Jesus. And they were devoted to him. 
they were devoted to each other and they were devoted to the mission. Jesus was more important than their fantasy football team. Reaching their friends with Christ was more important than their weight gain goals. Not that those things aren't important, but that was supreme. Here's the question I have for you. When has the church thrived? And when has the church been in decline? Some of you think, we're in trouble. We're no longer the dominant force. Who cares? You know when the church thrived? When we weren't in control. When we weren't in the White House. I think it's a good thing that we're under pressure. Because all the nominal Christians get, and the real ones, the ones that want Jesus. If we're going to build this house, some say build this house. We've got to go back to our roots. Let me tell you why that's so important. We are the last remaining lights in the room. And we're not called to blend in. We're called to stand out, to shine bright. This last phrase is like this. A scared world needs a bold church. A church that embodies Jesus. A church that takes care of people. A church that loves people. A church that is selfless and spirit-led. A church that is always on mission, loving people, even when people don't love us back. A church that is filled and fueled by grace, even when you're being persecuted. A church that never wavers in the faith, even though people are trying to stomp you out. May we fascinate a broken world. May we shine the, the light of Jesus bright again and bring them in with love and not Instagram. May we fascinate them and make them intrigued with the gospel, not performances and entertainment. May they see the light in us. May they know that we've been with Jesus. Someone say, build this house. house. Every eye closed and every head bowed. I'm going to pray for our church. God, that's what we've got to do. God, we've got to stop playing church. We've got to be the church. God, church isn't a building we go to. It's who I am. I'm called out from darkness. I'm called out from brokenness. To you, Jesus. To you, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to send your son, Jesus, to die for us. Pray, God, for every person who can hear the sound of my voice, they would be committed to you in a way they've never been before. That they realize, God, that we're not just called to live and survive and go after the American dream, but the God dream, to build this house. Pray, Jesus, that we would realize that you have a plan and purpose, not just for me, but for us. For many of you in this room, you never knew that Jesus is God. Let me quickly give you the gospel. The gospel is that God created the world perfect. He's good and he's righteous. And then he made Adam and Eve. Perfect world by a perfect God. And he placed them in the garden. And yet we sinned and rebelled against him. And sin separated us from the source of life. Good works, good things, good thoughts will never bridge that gap. Only Jesus dying on a cross for your sin will do that. And as Christians, we believe God entered human history as a man, fully God and fully man. He didn't come to give us a book. He didn't come to give us a holy land or a holy building. He came to die for us, for all of us. He came to pay your penalty of sin because the wage of sin is death. 
For some of you in this room, it's time to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's more about a relationship than a religion. It's about calling out to the living God, the one who has a plan and purpose for your life, the one who's seen everything you've ever done and was willing to die for you anyways. That God loves you. That God wants to be your friend. He created you with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. And he made a way for you to come home. You don't have to do anything. The work of a Christian is to simply believe in Jesus dying on a cross for you. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, that's you this morning. And you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and start a relationship with the living God. I want you to shoot your hand up on, on the count of three. One, two, three. Just shoot your hand up if that's you this morning. Amen, I see your hand back there. Amen, I see your hand. Just pray this prayer with me, everyone, out loud. Thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven for me. Thank you, God, that you died on a cross for me. I repent. I turn from my sin, and I choose to follow you. I receive your salvation gift of forgiveness. Fill me with your spirit as much as I understand now. Help me follow you all the days of my life. And everybody said? Come on, let's give it up. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. If you want to follow us on social media and just stay up to our current events, our social media handle is Bold Church SV. That's Bold Church SV for Silicon Valley. We hope you stay blessed and we'll see you soon.